Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Macaw Podcast Universe, number two of the year. Yeah. We're ki- you can hear that? That's my throat. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I heard that. <laughs> um, we're kicking it off now back by popular demand. We did it last week, and we, we're doing it again this week. It is another Jordan Sick episode. Last year was covered with... Jordan. You didn't say this in the last episode, and I was sicker in the last episode. I know you were, but but it's back by popular demand. You've gotten yourself sick again for the podcast. Yeah. And once again, I am not sick. Didn't haven't even experienced a single symptom no. from it. And uh but you are on the mend. Yes. You had a good old fashioned seasonal flu, is that correct? But like worse than I've ever had. <laughs> it yeah. was it was a uh, worrisome. It was pretty Potent- na- gnarly. It was- Potentially worrisome yeah. if it continued. Yeah, one more day of the intense stuff, and we might have been making some calls to the old Dr. Reno's. Yeah. But instead, we're we're feeling better, and we're jumping into another In the Man With No Name slash The Blood Trilogy slash The Dollars Trilogy. And this is for a few dollars more. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, unfortunately, as is the case with certain movies... It just happens sometimes. There is like pretty much no information in oh, regards really? to the making of this movie. There is. They had and, more money. It was less exciting. <laughs> well, yeah, and and there was an information on how the movie was made, but I couldn't find like references for it. Oh, yeah. So I was like, I don't know if this is true or not. Yeah. So I don't want to report on something that I don't know if I can say really happened. Yeah. So, um. We just shaved off, I don't know, 30 minutes of the podcast That's right that there. that little? Well, hold on. <laughs> yeah. So, well, I can, I can, while we're waiting, I can say it's directed by Sergio Leone. The screenplay is by Luciano Vincenzo, Sergio Leone, and Sergio Donati, who's uncredited. The story is by Sergio Leone and Fulvio Marcello. The cinematography, again, is Massimo Dallamano. The music, again, is Ennio Maricone. Comes out December 30th, 1965 on a $600,000 budget, uh, which is three times what the last one is. How much was the budget? 600000 Okay, for this one. And then on Wikipedia, it says the movie made $25.5 million worldwide. On the numbers, it said the movie made $4 million. Well, on- I doubt it made $4 million. <laughs> And then on Box Office Mojo, it said it made $15 million. I'm so, sure it made the biggest number that you said. But there's no other websites that corroborate that. That's just Wikipedia that says that. Oh, weird. So my guess is it made 15 but I don't know. Okay. <laughs> and that's what I have for the notes on this well, movie. Well, this is uh, Lee Van Cleef's f- film debut. That really? Is, that is the Bounty Hunter. That, wow. Didn't find that in your research, did ya? And you know where I'm finding this? IMDb. <laughs> Which is also not very I know, reliable. I know, I know. But I'm seeing this a couple times, so I believe it. Yeah. Um, I did see one thing I read, but I, I couldn't corroborate, is that Charles Bronson was again approached to play his role oh. in the movie, and he turned it down again, saying it was too close to the last movie. And then... Oh, wait, this isn't his this first movie. This guy got him. So Sorry, this isn't his first movie. Oh, but, okay. For his film debut, he appeared solo in the opening pre-title shots of the classic High Noon. Sorry. Oh, okay. So I'm already wrong. But but it would be the first of many bad guys he would portray in Westerns. So um, we're considering him a bad smelling? guy. What is Gilmore smelling? 
I don't know. Gilmore, come here. Come here. But. Okay, good okay. boy. So I don't know what movie. Oh, he's out of my cord. So when he was still working as an accountant, Van Cleef was offered an act- acting job that started on Monday. Apparently, at that time, he needed to give his employer two weeks notice, but the, the film that he got casted in was like, no, it's now or never. Uh-huh. And so this is actually not an interesting trivia. Oh, it's... Because <laughs> he said when Van Cleef's employer heard this, he promptly fired him, relieving the... <laughs> okay. Okay, wait, hold on. <laughs> that was so boring. <laughs> Um, I, I just want to reiterate. I I didn't ask you to to come up with a bunch of trivia yeah, on the we movie. Got, like what we're gonna have an hour long episode? <laughs> I don't think so. Um, well, and this one, Monco, which is the who, who uh, <laughs> that Clint Eastwood is referred to in this movie. Yeah, someone says it's his name. Um, so it's officially not the same character as Joe. Okay, and if it's full of dollars, this was the finding of an Italian court that adjudicated the lawsuit. This is also boring, and I'm surprised Actually, you didn't get wait, to this. Wait, t- tell me this. Okay. this So, Monco is officially not the same character as Joe in A Fistful of Dollars. This was the finding of an Italian court that adjudicated the lawsuit brought by Jolly Films, producer of A Fistful of Dollars. After the release of that movie, writer and director Sergio Leone had a falling out with the producers and made this movie with a different producer, Alberto Grimaldi. Jolly Films sued, claiming ownership of the Joe character, but lost when the court decided that the Western gunfighter's persona, characterized by the costume and mannerisms, belonged to the public domain's folklore. Okay, this is pretty interesting. That is pretty interesting. I'm glad you kept going on this. Uh-huh. Um, and that's interesting. <laughs> the town of El Paso, designed by Carlos Simi and Almeria, Spain, was the biggest set for which writer and director Sergio Leone was responsible at that time. It was reused for several scenes in The Good and the Bad and the Ugly, in which the, it stood as several different towns. It's still standing to this day and is called Mini Hollywood. Uh-huh. What is he chewing on? Nothing. Oh, okay. He's just looking at the guitar pedals, bored. and I thought he grabbed he a guitar pedal. Um, okay. Yeah, and then um, according to this, according to this, which uh-huh. I'm not corroborating this, but... Clint Eastwood's paycheck had increased from fifteen thousand for a fistful of dollars to fifty thousand for this movie, and reached two hundred and fifty thousand plus ten percent on the back end uh, for the good and the bad and the ugly. That's his. That's true. <clears throat> I I read that as well. Okay. Um. Apparently. <laughs> so <laughs> we're just doing the, this. This will be the last one. I okay. This will be the last one. <laughs> Lee Van Cleef was very grateful for this part in this movie. Again, that's the bounty hunter guy. Um, as he had fallen on hard times due to his heavy drinking. This movie effectively marked a resurgence in his career. Uh, he had taken up painting in the interim as a way of making money. Okay. Interesting. And to get into that actor... Well, so so before we do that, because I, I think we've had a bit of a rough start here. Yeah. Um, part of that is um, uh, me cutting out uh, Gilmore almost ruining all of our equipment just yeah. a few moments ago. Uh, but let me just say this. This was the first time that I've seen this movie. Okay. Was it the first time you saw this movie? Yes. I did not know that um, Van Cleef. <laughs> what? <laughs> the squeaking. Yeah, yeah. So if you hear, first of all. <laughs> this is damage control. The, the beginning of this episode, Gilmore was like running around. He's our dog. And he was like hitting the cords, almost made the interface fall to the floor, which probably would have broken it. 
and he's just been kind of nuts. So Jordan went and got him a, a toy, which he loves to play with, and it will squeak throughout this episode, and you will probably hear it. But it is that or the loss of hundreds of dollars worth of equipment. So, Or no episode. Or no and episode. Nobody wants that, do they? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the Van Cleef character, or what's his name? Colonel Douglas Mortimer. Yeah. Um. That, well, not, okay, that guy... Yeah. Uh, I've always known to be the bad guy. Right. Um, so I was very surprised. It was fun that he was not in this movie. I know, so, yeah. So I had seen The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly first, and I'd seen it a few times. Mm-hmm. And I think... Why are you smiling at me? <laughs> squeaking. Oh, it's funny. Oh, okay. Um, I, and, We're just and, having a serious <laughs> conversation. <laughs> and I, I just think that, weirdly enough... And this rarely happens. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I'm listening. I really am. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. We're never going to finish this episode. We're, we're 10 minutes we're in, up for maybe. That, we're making up for that 30 minutes lost <laughs> with no production notes. So, so, oh, my gosh. So, I had seen The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly first. And then I saw this movie. And when it started, I think because I've seen that, it primes me to have a certain expectation about this character. Well, I think he's also known for being a villain in Westerns. Oh, okay. So, like, he is just a villainous person. Okay, because I think that my perception of him really helps the movie. Because, like, as it's going, I'm just like... Oh, he's bad. He's bad. Yeah. He's bad. And when then eventually, when he's him. not yeah. bad, I was like, "Oh, that's pretty interesting." I was expecting him to be bad this whole movie. Not only is he not bad, he's the emotional. He's the emotional core of this movie. Well, he's actually. Like, I would climax. say the m- main character of the movie. Yeah. Oh my I agree. gosh! Oh my gosh! <laughs> you, know, I, you know what's gonna suck is it probably won't actually get picked up by the mic, yeah. so people are just gonna hear us giggling for however long. I know it's like old comedy bang bangs when they they play the um, plane break song, plane break song, and it's like you actually don't. From what I've heard, from what I can't heard, really hear, you it. don't need to play that. You, like you didn't need to have a song. Yeah. So it, you might be like, "Whoa, this is a wild episode that I'm listening to." They're unhinged today. Here's what I want to say before we dive into the movie. This movie's actually like incredibly excellent. Yeah. And. I, I read that that it's often like looked down as like the least of these three movies. Whoa! And I think this one is substantially better than A Fistful of Dollars. I agree. Um, that movie's also great. Yeah. But I think that the emotional payoff at the last scene of this movie is like pretty insane. It's oingo boingo. It's crazy. Oingo boingo, but oingo. Yeah. So, do you want to hit any of the other actors, or have we covered them? We'll all? Leave Van Cleve. <laughs> We're not going to stop talking about that guy. Um, so he is in the next movie. Yeah, he is the bad guy. He's the bad. He's also in Escape from New York. Don't remember him, but it's I've only seen that he movie plays once. Hawk. Um, he's also in the Man Who Shot Liberty Vance, which is I've actually never seen that movie, but a very famous John Wayne and Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy Stewart. Yeah, James, well, Jimmy James, James Jim, Stewart. James Stewart movie. Yeah, I've never seen that. Well, I've seen, like, on TV, I've seen that movie. Um, that movie is specifically in The Fablemans as one of Spielberg's, like, uh, inspirational movies. Yeah. 
We should watch it sometime. Yeah, please go to Apple Podcasts, rate our podcast five stars, and tell us if you can hear Gilmore squeaking. Yeah. As he just honked off yeah. a loud one. As he honked <laughs> off a loud one. What a strange expression. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. He's also in Speed Zone, The Commander, a, a lot of war military movies, as well as Westerns. Okay. Um, it, it is just... I. It is, I guess, interesting. You know, in the last movie, it was a lot of Italian people. Uh-huh. Spaghetti Western shot in Italy. Um, this man is from... Uh, Jersey. Yeah. I believe. New Jersey. Yeah. And in the movie, they I, I didn't catch this, but they say he's from Carolina. Yeah. So they're not doing a brown face thing as no. they did in the last movie with just about every character. <laughs> yeah. But he is just who he is. How much? How many people should we cover in... I mean, I, I don't know how many other people there are to cover in this movie. Well, we've covered uh, Gian Maria Volante, who played Ramon in the last movie. Yeah. Ramon um, yeah. in the last movie. But uh, in this movie, he plays El Indio. Yeah. <laughs> he, he somehow he, shot the toy at my feet. <laughs> it, <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. It, so his performance felt like, uh, like a... I don't even know my frame of reference, but like, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but it, <laughs> it just felt like a very like out there performance for a sixties movie. Are we in the sixties? Yeah. Yeah. We're in 1965. Yeah. It just felt like kind of out there. He was, he was very like haunted looking like crazy, glassy eyed, unpredictable. Yeah. And, and we're, we're, f- we're sorry. Sorry. But like today, Someone's playing that character, and it's like we all kind of roll our eyes at it. Sure, sort of. Yeah. Well, and and it it is pretty like I feel like this movie's pretty mature uh, uh, for the time. Like like it feels like this is more of a seventies movie than a sixties yeah. movie for for the thing the things we witness in them. Yeah. Um. So it feels kind of ahead of its time as far as violence on screen is is and 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 themes and characters and stuff like that. Yeah. But um, let's just jump right into it. Cool. What do you say? The movie has a fantastic beginning, which I think, okay, we talk about, I don't think we even really introed our podcast, but oh, uh, okay. maybe we did. This is the Macaw Podcast Universe. We exist to prove people wrong when they say sequels are never better than the originals. I'm Micah. I'm Jordan. And we're married, and we talk about movies, We got a dog named Gilmore, but you know that. Yeah. So the movie, like upends what you're expecting a sequel to be in in a couple of ways and the first is the very first shot of this movie that i thought was insane yeah where we're seeing this rider coming up like way off in the like distance. way off in the distance as credits are rolling or no it's before the credits roll, yeah right yep before credits are rolling for a while and we're hearing like some like as if someone's like in your ear just like moving around now, and I'm thinking, so we, we know that all these movies are just all overdubbed. Yeah. So I thought to myself, okay, this is supposed to be the the character that we're seeing ride. Yeah. It's just me too. before they're good at, like, sound. But we find out that it's actually the person who's watching the rider who is the point of view of this camera shot. Yep. And as the rider's coming up, you're just assuming it's Clint Eastwood. Right? Like you thought like the writer? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's the man with no name. And then a gunshot goes off. 
and the person falls off the horse and you're like, oh, I guess that's not Clint Eastwood. And just as far as sequels go, I think that's just an interesting way to start it. Do you think that that was Clint Eastwood or Lee Van Cleef? Who shot him? Yeah, because I think it was a bounty. They were collecting oh, a bounty. I think it's Lee. I think it's yeah, Lee. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. What do you think, Gilmore? Uh, squeaky, squeaky. <laughs> so that's just an interesting and great and way to start And the credits were just it. so cool. They were so cool. Another just cool opening title sequence. And that guy had to lay out in the field with the horse running around for a very long time. Oh, yeah. It was probably hot. So then we find Colonel in a train. And he's looking. He's reading the Bible. He's reading the Bible, looking cool. And. Got a cool hat. Oh, great hat. Great outfit. I, I have to imagine. Now, for those who don't know, uh, Stephen King's great series, The Dark Tower, is the main character, Roland, is based on. Roland of Gilead. Yes. Son of Stephen Duchesne. Uh, he, Duchesne. Duchesne? I always say Duchesne, but oh, okay. Uh, anyway, he he's always said that that he kind of based it on the archetypal Western antihero, mm-hmm. which is of course established in Fistful of Dollars. And he said if they ever made a movie, back when the books were coming out, he always imagined it and wrote it like it was Clint Eastwood. Mm-hmm. And when I was watching this, there's a character called the Man in Black uh, in the series as well. And when I was watching this, I was like, oh. Also, the man in black is yeah. this this guy because yeah. no no like this is his description of the character, um, and I think this actor has that kind of oh yeah energy to him. So I was kind of like, that's cool. Who would be a good man in black today? I was thinking about this while we were watching it, and um, Matthew McConaughey. No, he was terrible. <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, I mean. The, all of that is just so hard. I know. Because we I, don't really have Western stars I anymore. I think whoever you would get for Roland, I think it's got to be a no-name. I think it's got to be so? like... I mean, I guess it depends. Because let, let's just say he's like the uh, middle-aged-ish. Yeah. Uh, whenever, if they ever decide to make a movie or anything. Um, so I, I could I could see them getting like a not literally washed up, but like a washed up actor. Like he's ready for his next phase. Yeah. And he's going to be this character, but it would also be cool to get kind of someone we don't know. Well, the, the, I agree. Yeah. But the benefit of like Clint Eastwood back when he could have done it is, um, and we're nerding out on dark tower here, folks is like the character of Roland is, Literally, and as the series progresses and you see what he does with the series, he represents the hero's journey and the both unexpected and the expected elements of the hero's journey. Uh, Particularly, you know, inclusions of anti-hero, all that stuff. So when you include Clint Eastwood, he he is an archetype. Yeah. Like him as an actor. Like when when you put, there's so much baggage when you put him on screen. Right. You know, same with John Wayne. You know, it's like they, they have these big personas. So if there was another actor that had that kind of gravitas, that would be pretty special. But I don't know if there is someone that that represents, like, stories in the way that Clint Eastwood represents yeah. stories. Yeah, I know. I don't think so either. 
Because it's almost like, you know, as many problems as there were with the Dark Tower series, I love Idris Elba, but, you know, he doesn't really bring a lot of baggage to the Dark Tower role. And, And so I think you have to do some extra work to make the character work. Whereas if you put Clint Eastwood on screen in the Dark Tower, first shot, you're like, I get it. So you would say BoJack would be a good casting. BoJack Horseman? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I am trying to think who would who would be good for for either either role. Any of the characters, really. Alden Ehrenreich would be a great um Eddie. Oh. He would be awesome. That would be cool. I think from that one shot in Cocaine Bear trailer, I was like, (laughs) he would be so good at that. That's interesting. Um I think Pedro Pascal could be a good Roland. Yeah, he could. He could. And actually, he would bring the baggage because he's Mandalorian, which is a Western. That, yeah. would, that would bring the baggage in a way that I think could work. That's yeah. a good pick, Jordan. That's a really good pick. I think a boring answer that would work would be Bill Skarsgård as the man in black. Bill Skarsgård? That seems too young. Yeah. I guess it doesn't, but I don't even think age really matters yeah. to the characters. And I'm only saying, I think he's an incredibly exciting actor, but he's almost yeah. like too obvious yeah. to choose. Um, You know, it's like choosing Dano for the Riddler. It's like, yeah, we get it. N- not that it was bad. It was a good choice, and I liked Dano's Riddler. But it's like, when, when that casting announcement happens, it's kind of like, yeah, okay. It's not like a well, Heath Ledger Joker where Matt you're Reeves like, was making the what Batman. the heck? He was sitting there thinking, what's going to get Jordan to come to the theaters? Right. Okay, let's cast Robert Pattinson as Batman, which at the time I was against, but it's Robert Pattinson, you know, you got to put your eyes on it. And then he was thinking, like, who would be a good person for the Riddler? But, like, someone that's going to get Jordan to go see it. I got it. Hook, line, and sinker, Paul Dano. And I was like, now I have to see this movie. That's what he was thinking about. And and again, I just want to say for the record, I like Dano in that movie. I like that movie a lot. See our Patreon episode on it. Yeah. Uh, love that movie. But but it is, it's very obvious casting. And I like when something's a little unexpected. You know? Well, I guess were you surprised then about the Joker casting? That was unexpected. <laughs> That's, uh, <laughs> I don't want to talk about the that. The downside of unexpected. Let's talk about this movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe uh, Colin Farrell? No, I don't think he could be Roland. Nah. Anyway, yeah. But uh, Pedro Pascal, I like that. I like that. So we have our character, the colonel, and he is like, on this train, he looks so bad. You know, he yeah. looks like a bad guy. And this the the movie, just being on a train, I felt like, oh, wow, they must have got like a ton more money. Like the movie yeah. production level looked like way more expensive I mean, they than the lo- last They one. built a town. Yeah. 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 And uh, he says, I want to get off at Tucumcari. And someone says, oh, you, you, to do that, you have to, like, get off at this train later and then come back to this town. Uh-huh. And he pulls the lever, gets the off of his horse, yeah. walks off of the train. The guy's like, hey, if you want to do this, you have to go down there and do all this stuff. And he's like, he's like, I'm off the train, aren't I? <laughs> Just yeah. badass. And then he walks over to, like, the train station and he sees a wanted sign. Yeah for someone for a thousand dollars but the the own purse the person who's wanted put two more zeros on it drew two more zeros on it like yeah tempting anyone to even dare 
right. to come get me. I'm so bad. Yeah. And the guy takes the poster, or, or uh, Mortimer takes the poster and finds the guy. And he kills him, like, or he collects his bounty, like, no no consequence, no questions asked. Well, it is great. He kicks him out of his hotel room that the guy's in. He does. And the guy is running through the town, and he just he just shoots him down. Yeah. This it's guy great. is frantically running, and the Mortimer is just, like, sauntering down the stairs. Yeah. So then um, we find out that someone else is looking for the the man who he killed. Or another bounty, and his name is Manko. Okay. Um, and I wrote movie looks way better. It's a different guy. Sets are really upgraded. Different guy. Because he uh, Mortimer collects this bounty, goes to the sheriff, sees another one in poster, and is like, "Where can I find that guy?" And that's when he tells him where he can find him. But also, there's another man asking for him. Yeah, and, and is that in Indio? No. No, not yet. Different okay. guy. So then we cut to. Then I think we are introduced to. Um, Clint Eastwood. Yeah. Um, this, so, uh, he's like a little more comical in this movie. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, he's, he is playing it slightly different. It is a tiny bit of a different yeah. character, but it, it still works. I mean, I know lawsuit wise, they're not the same character, but yeah, they're definitely the same. I didn't character. know it was different characters. So yeah. it was, it took me a like maybe through the first act of this movie, I finally asked Micah what the deal is. Yeah. Cause you were confused that Ramon was in this movie. Yes. And I was like, Oh no, no, the, this is like, this isn't even like Mad Max. It, it's like, it's like the what, same characters play different people. Really threw me off is Clint Eastwood wears the same outfit, which I know, I know yeah. like I get the theme and everything. So, um, I, I finally figured it out, but it really threw me off for, Right, a good chunk of it. Well, I, I remember when uh, when they announced uh, that they were gonna make what like three or five Knives Out movies, whatever they said. Um, and I was like, it would be cool. I don't think they're gonna do this, but it would be cool if he just used the same cast and it was yeah. like a different thing because that's yeah. just not something people really do anymore. Yeah. Um, I mean, th- people don't do that often anyway, but that would have been a series where it would have worked. Having seen the sequel, I'm glad that he's using new actors because it's it's fun that he you get to see all these different actors in different roles. Yeah, but I you know that would be a fun idea for a murder mystery thing to do like the American Horror Story thing where it's like we have these five actors they're in all three of these movies but they all play different characters every yeah. time that would be fun. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So. Um, they go after one guy with the uh, bounty, and I wrote, shoots him when he's struggling to get gun without even looking at him. Yeah, so we're in a saloon. Okay. Uh, people are gambling. Um, uh, Clint Eastwood just walks up to this guy's table, where the guy that who's won Yes. It. They're playing cards. Thank you. He, <laughs> without saying a word, yeah, yeah. picks up the deck and deals him and the other guy a hand. Uh-huh. And they were ju- they play a couple hands. No words are exchanged. I think just one hand. Oh, just one hand. Yeah. But like no words are exchanged. There's like two other people sitting at this table. They're all yes. like side eyeing each other. Like what is happening? And the guy says, the guy says, I didn't catch the bet. And he goes, Your life. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, and then and then they start struggling. Um, yeah, and he he basically shoots him without even looking. 
Clint yeah. Eastwood. Yeah. And now, gets his bounty. I'm, I'm, I'm realizing now, like, these kind of... These kind of notes work when we're doing a movie that doesn't take place all in one setting. Yeah. <laughs> so so I can do this like on a Black Panther movie, but with a Western, I think I need to be a little more specific, like shoots guy at the poker table or something, because I just see shoots guy and I'm like, a lot of guys get shot in this. A lot. <laughs> um, but then we have. Is Mortimer, is he there for that? Does he see this? I he sees think what he's up against? he does see it. Right? I think so too. I just can't remember. Yeah. Um, and your throat keeps on I know. making sounds. Um, Gilmore, your throat. What's going on? Again, this guy's this movie's really good. And then we cut to a guy in prison. Yeah. Right? Yes, yes. Okay. Yes. A guy is sleeping in prison and another guy is pacing around the cell. I think this other guy pacing around the cell is the barkeep from the first movie. Oh, okay. I think. Okay. Um, but it's, it's intercutting with people. More importantly, I believe he's the carpenter that India will tell his group about later. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, but we don't know that yet. We don't know that yet. But um, it's being intercut with people um, infiltrating the prison. Yeah. Silently picking off guards. And then they get to the cell. They they open it. And they, they're breaking out the guy who's sleeping, who happens to be Indio, played by the same actor who played Ramon. Yeah. And this is when you were like, what's happening here? Ramon. I keep saying Ramon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, they're, they're busting him out. And before he, they do, uh, Indio kills his cellmate and yeah. steals the thing that he was carving. Whatever he was working out, we don't know what it was. Yeah. Oh, wait, was the guy carving something? He was carving the safe. Oh, I didn't catch that. Okay, so it definitely is the carpenter then. Yeah. Not, no question. No question. Uh, yeah, and then and then we see him start laughing, and I believe that turns into the ten thousand dollar wanted dead or alive poster. Probably the just funniest and most charismatic wanted poster I've ever seen. Yeah. I don't understand how they snapped that pick back then. Yeah, uh, but they did, <laughs> and uh, they, they they were just like, hold it. Hold the laugh. Yeah. Hold no, the no laugh. No one's going to want to kill you after seeing this fun mug. <laughs> um, and then he goes, Indio goes to this man who is at this church who killed or, or, or the man turned him in. Yep. And so he goes, I lost 18 months of my life. And it looks like in that 18 months, you started a family and there's a, there's a, a baby and a wife. And this is when I was like, whoa, this movie's like kind of intense. Yeah. Because he tells his gang to kill the wife and the baby. And you hear gunshots off screen. Yeah. And he kills them. And then he gives the man an opportunity to kill him. And while he does, Ennio Maricone is like, hey, I'm adding organs to the score now. We're in a church. Like, bam, so cool. So they have um, a standoff, the, this man and Indio. But so I, and the, this is uh, something that will continue the rest of the movie. Indio yeah. has this um, uh, stop. Uh, what's the word? It's a clock, a but clock. it has uh, a music box in it. Yeah. I'm just trying to, what's the right? What is it actually? But yeah. Well, they call it a, a, a clock in the movie. Okay. Yeah. So. Uh, a pocket watch. Yeah. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. That plays a lullaby. And as soon as the song is done. They can fire. Yeah. Does it? And it just, 
there's so much tension. The, yeah. the the music's incredible. The shots are incredible. You have those extreme close ups and then these great like landscape type shots. I know they're inside, but you know yeah. these wide shots. And then the you know when you add into any action sequence or even any anything you want to make suspenseful, and you add there's some sort of thing that people have to wait on before they begin or once X happens. Like, like once the fuse comes down to the dynamite, it's going to explode. And that's the music in this movie. Yeah. And, and the payoff, man, the payoff to this at the end, I had no idea about, and it was wild. It was yeah. so wild. Yeah. Um, but this is our introduction to Indio and his gang. Yes. So bunch of bad dudes. Yes. And then I think, so kind of, we're finding out they're bandits. Yeah. Um, they're going, they, they rob banks, they rob places. So more, we go back to Mortimer who knows about this new bounty on Indio. Who's been escaped from prison, prison, $10,000 reward dead or alive. <laughs> and knowing that they rob banks and he, Bon Jovi goes, huh, I got an idea for I a song. Know. Uh, knowing that they rob banks, he goes to a bank and questions the, uh, guy in charge. I thought this was a very funny scene Yeah, where he's like, say I was a bandit. And I was to rob this place. And the guys, like, he you know, is so chipper and nice, and his smile slowly fades. Yeah. And is like, am I being robbed right now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but he starts asking him specific, like, what's the hard, what would be the hardest bank to infiltrate, uh, but has the be- biggest reward? Oh, that's the bank in El Paso, baby. Yeah. So that's where he's going, assuming that Indio and his gang are going to target this bank. Right. Um, And then... Meanwhile, uh, Manko shows up to a hotel, and he's like, "I want this room," and it's a sp- specific room. And this is where, like, the he's a little more comedic, I think, in this one, because the guy's like, "You can't have the room," and then he goes, "Who's staying there?" And he goes, "It's a guy named Martinez," which you must have freaked out about. Oh, I, it was probably my great great granddad. <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes, "Let me see that." He he grabs the the book that has all the names on it, and he crosses them out, and he goes, "Looks like the room's open now." <laughs> and then he starts walking upstairs, and the hotel keeper's like, "Stop! Don't do that! Don't do that!" And then you just see a man running down the stairs, and he's like, "Check me out! Check me out! Check me out!" <laughs> um, but we don't see what he did to no, the guy. We don't need to. It's fun. But I love that. Yeah, it's, it's I, just I great. thought that the kid was very charming. Oh, who who is he's getting? He's a- like information from. Yeah, yeah. I thought that kid like. That, that kid was good. I wonder, you know, someone's like, this kid's going places in 1965. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he's in this this hotel across the way is a saloon and another hotel. That's where Mortimer is staying. Yeah. And then we go to him. He is in the saloon. And there are a couple guys from Indio's gang also there at the bar. Yeah. And Mortimer goes up to one of them and like lights a match on his back. Well, he's a hunchback. Uh-huh. So he offends this man. Yeah. <coughs> and the, his, his friends hold him back and then they leave and the bartender's like, you must have be suicidal. I can't believe they didn't just kill you right there. Yeah. So we get a little flavor uh-huh. of these dudes. It's just building. Yeah. Um, by the way, I logged into our Libsyn today to, to, uh, update an episode. And I believe yesterday's episode you're not going to believe this, Jordan. I, I Not yesterday's. I believe our episode on A Fistful of Dollars was our 200th episode. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So, 
Yeah. Happy 201. Here's to 200 more. For a few dollars more. (laughs) So all that happens, the bad guys are planning a bank robbery. And Indio was in the same cell as the cabinet maker, the carpenter, who made the cabinet that they secretly hide all the money in in the bank in El Paso. A million dollars. Which, already, great. Yeah. That that's awesome. So then then we see them at the bank in El Paso and it's cutting between the bad gang and uh 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 Colonel and Manko as they're all counting how long it takes the guards to go around. Man, that was that was edited so well. Oh yeah. So we learn that well one so Mortimer also goes to this bank and interviews the guy. And we get to see the inside of the bank. Love the set. The set's so yeah. cool. Yeah, it's great. Um, but we learned that there's a guard in there at night and a guard outside at night mm-hmm. uh, when the bank's closed. Um, and then, yeah, they count how long it takes everyone to leave the bank at the end of the day. And, and come they, back around. And come back around. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then, um, yeah, I can't remember. I think that was it for that. I was trying to remember. I thought there was something else. No, I think that's it. And then and then Manko visits um the coffin maker from the first movie who lives by the train station now. Yeah. And I believe he's asking him about Mortimer. Is yeah. that right? Yeah, cuz they both notice each other. And they're both yeah. like, we're both oh, the, oh yeah, when they're when they're doing the counting, uh Mortimer like turns oh. his his spyglass and then he sees Manko just watching him through the binoculars, not moving at all. <laughs> he's not like trying to hide that he's watching them. And and I don't know. Did you expect them to team up? No. I, I thought that either. guy was the bad guy. Like, so no matter I. what, I thought he was the bad guy. Yeah. I mean, but after after um, Indio killed that family, I was like, okay, I, I don't know where we're going with this, but, like, you know, we're blurring the lines of what's who's yeah. the good and the bad. That's part of what the and spaghetti the Western establishes, you know? Yeah. Um. So then they have... um. Kind of this face-off where they're outside and Clint Eastwood is well, no, shooting he does his go, hat. He does go to the guy first and asks about him. Oh, yeah. I just glazed over it. I, it was just such... That guy was so funny. And the dubbing <laughs> yeah. was mostly the funny part. Oh, dubbing was insanely bad. <laughs> it, it was, like, way too loud. Yeah. And, like, kind of hard to understand him at points. But I, also, I thought it was written very funny. Yeah. Because he was he's, saying, he's basically like a Looney Tunes, like Yosemite Sam. He really almost. is, and he's like, I've been living here since I was a little kid, and one day the railroad company comes to me and says I got to sell my property, or they're gonna build a railroad right by it. And I says, you want to, you want to know what I did? And then the train rides by, and basically his house flat all but <laughs> crumbles to the ground. Yeah. And Clint Eastwood's like. I think I can guess what you decided. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, he's asking about who this Mortimer guy is. Yeah. And finds out that he's another bounty hunter. Yeah. And then there's, there's the evening. Yeah. Where there, where he shoots the hat off of Mortimer and then Mortimer goes to grab his hat and he shoots it again. Yeah. Shoots it again. Sorry. Shoots it again. Do you think that, the tennis ball. <laughs> <laughs> Explain it to the audience. Explain it to the audience. We have a blanket in the center of the room to help with noise cancellation and uh, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and Gilmore's playing with a tennis ball on the other side of the blanket. And 
it alone slowly tennis rolled. ball rolled over, which made me think, is this an invitation? <laughs> and then you see his paw come out and <laughs> grab <claw it>. back. <laughs> uh, he is a cutie. Oh, man. I've never had a dog that just actually plays with the toys. I know. Me too. I mean, well, I did have one dog that played with tennis balls. But never one like we can buy Gilmore like a, a like a stuffed animal toy and he'll play with it. Yeah, he loves it. He's like a little kid. They're blue healers, they're so smart. <laughs> and uh, so then that happens, and and then he shoots Clint Eastwood's hat off and shoots it into the air. They're all laughing and crying and well, and you know they're they're upset. They're they're. They're dishonoring each other. Doesn't you know? it? Doesn't that scene start with two with a man suddenly coming into Mortimer's room, packs his bag without saying? Oh a word, yeah, yeah. And he has to follow him out of the hotel where Clint <laughs> Eastwood's there, and he's like, "Take that to the railroad station." And Mortimer's like, "No, you bring that right back up to my room." And then he's like, <laughs> and "No the guy's station." Just like, Ugh! And <laughs> drops the bag and, <laughs> yeah, runs, and runs away. away. <laughs> <laughs> but then they start talking and Mortimer's like we should have an alliance there's 14 of them and there's just one of us or there's just one uh, one each of us yeah but if we team up that's still not great odds <laughs> so we should team up and we they can both split it can make the same amount of money yeah and then um there's a great line where where he I think he says something like this seems personal to you or something like that and he says um oh because because then Mortimer like doesn't talk for a second then he goes is the question indiscreet and and then Mortimer says, "No, your question's not, but the answer might be." Yeah, so good. And then it, I think it cuts away after that. Uh, well, Mortimer says, "You have to infiltrate the gang. You have to yes. get your way in there, because you're the the young buck, dude." So then, so then Manko goes to another prison. It used to be so easy to break out of prison. They would have never been able to make Fox's hit show Prison Break back then, because they would not have been able to get six seasons out of it. Yeah. So he busts Indio, Indio's man, out of a jail. And then he joins up with the group. Mm-hmm. And they're, of course, suspicious of him. But he heard about the big score. Yeah, he wants a piece. So he bought his way in by breaking this guy out of prison. Yeah. And then, and then Indio says, you guys have to go to Santa Cruz um, and rob this bank. Kill whoever's there. Doesn't matter. Rob the bank. All, all, like, Which puts all the, the scent class. off of El Paso. Yeah, right? and and I think it tests Clint because he's like, if this guy's a real like bounty hunter guy, he's not gonna go like killing a bunch of innocent people. True, but also I think they said that what they're gonna do is go to Santa Cruz. A team is gonna go to Santa Cruz and get all the police from El Paso to come there because oh, there's right, a, a right. robbery happening or a, you know something happening, and that's what happens. Uh, the the alarm is sounded. Um, but Clint Eastwood and the dudes never make it. Clint Eastwood uh, kills the other three dudes. Yes. Before they even get to Santa Cruz. Yes. And then he goes to Santa Cruz and he goes to the guy who runs the Morse code, ties him up. Yeah. And is, well, I, he makes him send a message first. Yeah. Does he send, does he tell him to send a message that their bank got robbed or that a bank is going to be robbed in El Paso? No, I think that their bank is getting robbed and that's why the police go of El Paso. Like they're calling for backup basically. Yes. That makes sense. Yeah. I kind of like had a trouble following that scene. Me too. Uh, but now that we're discussing it, that makes sense. Yeah. And then he's on his way back and 
there's I, I can't remember why, but there's an implication that he's not going to work with Colonel anymore, and Colonel stops him. Yeah, and he's like, "What are you doing?" And he goes, "I'm going to take care of this." He just wants his, the money all to himself. Yeah. Oh, and I think he's like, "This isn't your your big plan didn't work. I had to go do this other thing, so well, you're is, not trustworthy." This is after they blow up the bank. So at the oh, bank, oh okay, like Mortimer and. Manko know that the robbery is taking place right now. Yes, that's right. Uh, but they can't, like, the, the men exit the building at the end of the day, do their 30-second walking around, but the bandits are nowhere to be seen. Yeah. Um, even though they know they should be there, and it's all quiet. And suddenly, the back of the bank, there's an explosion, because they blow up just the back wall, because they know exactly where that's right. the safe is, and they steal the safe that way. Smart. Yeah, looks great. Yeah. Um, and then Clint Eastwood's like pissed off because his big plan didn't work. They still robbed the bank and they're getting away. And then their partnership dissolves. Yeah. But the Colonel's like, he shoots him, grazes him on the neck and he goes, go back to him and join the gang. You'll be fine. Cause you have a bullet. Well, yeah. you, you might be fine is what he says. Yeah. Cause your, your neck's been grazed. Um, then I have a note that says, the music is even better in this one. Three exclamation points. And then, then we're at like where the rest of the movie is going to take place, I think. Which is that little town that's very yeah, George Lucas. Like, get him to go south. <laughs> right. And he's like, so he tries to get the guy to go south and he's like, no, I'm going to go east. Yeah. And it was funny as Mortimer's there waiting for him because he's yeah. like, I knew you were going to try and persuade him to do something different. And either way, he was just going to end up here because he doesn't even trust you. Right. That was a great scene. Great scene. But yeah, this town is so Tatooine. It's crazy. I know. And and George Lucas has, has always said, you know, he's that, that Star Wars was about. I mean, listen to our Star Wars episodes that came out last year. That Star Wars was about like serializations, the old TV, Buck Rogers, stuff like that. Um but it's funny watching this, and I'm like, oh, you didn't mention the Dollars trilogy and how, like, the, like a lot of this is is from that. Yeah. You know? And yeah. I don't... That's not bad. No. Not at all. It was fun. Uh, it's it's great. Um, but it's weird that, the, like, the rounded homes look the pretty same. similar. It's, it, it's wild. Because I always thought those looked so, like, otherworldly, and then I'm watching this movie, and I'm like, oh, I guess this is just architecture that exists, like, down by the border. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, or in Spain, wherever they shot this movie. Yeah, they did shoot this movie in Spain, so, yeah. Um, and there is a scene where uh, Clint Eastwood and the colonel are shooting fruit off of a tree. <laughs> that, that, that was cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Mortimer sees the guy who he lit on his back, the match, and the guy wants to fight him wants to kill him and Mortimer kills him. Mm -hmm. And he knows that these guys just robbed a bank as a stranger yeah. to Indio and says, and offers to help them open the, the vault. Yes. So yes. He, he opens the vault um, without blowing it up. Cause that was their only idea was to blow it up and lose like half the money that's in there. Right. But he breaks the safe. He cracks it and he kind of like earns their trust that way. Yeah. Get some money or, you know, was promised some money from it. Now the thing is, though, in, for Indio is they have to lay low now. Yeah. Even if it takes a month, they got to lay low. Yeah. 
So they stash the money in a different location and it's lay low time. Now there's a scene <laughs> where uh, Clint Eastwood is sneaking around, which is right where we're at. And Mike Combs, I'm I'm needing your help on this. Uh, I believe, I, I think that George Lucas in Attack of the Clones when Anakin is going to rescue his mother, I think he recreates like an exact shot. And you're talking about the hallway that Clint Eastwood is walking down. Yes. And, and there's not a hallway in the Star Wars shot, but the way the camera moved from his face to the corner where he's looking and then he goes to sneak off, I think that that is a direct, like, I'm going to do that shot from... For a few dollars more. Which is, again, cool. It's like the pod race scene is the Ben-Hur chariot race. Yeah. In a lot of ways. So, um, but yeah. So then the Colonel and Manko sneak in. They steal the money. But then they are captured. But right before Clint Eastwood throws the money into a tree. Yes. And then uh, Indio... Has this? I'm kind of blazing through some of this stuff here, but he has this idea where he kind of can't trust his men. No, no, it's not he can't trust his men. He's just greedy. Yeah. So he's like, I'm going to release these two guys. They're going to escape, and then I'm going to tell everyone to go kill them, which will result in, like, so many people dying. Everyone dying. And then it'll be me and then the guy with the curls. Yeah. And we'll, we'll be fine. We'll take the rest of the money. Yeah. Meanwhile, at some point in the movie... Uh, we learn that the the significance of the pocket watch that yes Indio has uh, cuts to a memory, which this also felt unusual for a sixties movie. Yeah, I mean um, it's kind of graphic. Not just the graphicness, just the cutting and just the flashback. Just well, yeah, and and having unusual. like such a distinct. <laughs> um, well, I guess there's movies like Psycho and and some other movies that have the the uh, POV POV shot, but but it just felt it felt like oh wow, this is still like a pretty novel idea to do the POV shot. Like this is still pretty early on in film when they do that. Yeah. So it's like it shows Indio as he's watching this man and this woman who are in bed. Well, this man gives this woman the pocket watch. Right. There are two of them: one for him, one for her. Right. I think. Um, yeah, and he he's he's a peeping Tom. Yeah. And just murders the guy. Yeah. Barges well, he comes in and he kills the guy, and then uh, I mean he's going to rape the girl. And uh, and he does. Yes. And but then we, yeah, we see that we right. are revealed that later. And the music's really cool because it's like a distorted, <laughs> messed up version of the music box yeah. song. Um <laughs> I actually thought it was the music box song backward. Oh. And I downloaded it and put it on Logic and reversed it. It's not. Oh, okay. But it, it has that, like, haunted, dreamy vibe of of that, like, it's the music box, but messed up. Yeah. So it's just really clever composing. And to complete the story, the as, as he is assaulting this girl, she shoots herself. Yes. Do you think she was trying to shoot him? No. No? Okay. No. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so, I mean, that's... It's really sad. It's very sad. Um, and, and yeah, so, yeah, I think because we're, we're actually at that scene where he says, someone, someone asks India, why does that watch mean so much to you? Yeah. And then we see the flashback again, and then we see the whole sequence. Yeah. And it's interesting because there, it's, it is as if he regrets the situation. Oh, I don't... 
Do you feel that way? I I think I think there's. I think he just regret that she regrets that she's dead. You think so? I don't think he regrets what he did. No. Although. It, uh, well, I think I think it's a. Uh, it's not clear what he's feeling. I don't think. It's, yeah, it's not clear what he's feeling because we have no no other information other than this one flashback scene. We don't yeah. know like does he actually know this girl, or like does he have a history with this girl? Yeah. Or is this just a potential random act of violence? Weirdness. Uh, yeah. Thing. We we really don't know. So that I think, I I think he's just a tortured person. Yeah. But but I think I think there's potential regret. Then there's potential, maybe like I like to think of this crazy memory. Yeah. And then, you know, he is using this music box in order to kill other people. So there's just like a sadistic nature to it yeah. as well. Um, but yeah, it just it feels kind I mean, it's kind of graphic. Like yeah. I was I was kind of surprised. Um and yeah, and so then all these guys are killing each other, the gang. But Mortimer and Clint are picking him off. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! There. It's a fun time. It, it's some great action, some great sequences, and then sh- should we get to it? Sure. The big standoff. This scene is excellent. Watching this as we were watching the scene, I just knew this was one of the b- best scenes in movie history. Yeah. Oh yeah! Yeah yeah. So Mortimer is having a standoff with Indio. Yes. It is the showdown. The music is amazing, and. Um, Mortimer had dropped his gun. Yeah, and Indio still has his has his has his pocket watch open to the song, doing the whole deal. Once the song stops playing, we're, we can draw. Which yeah. he Mortimer is at an absolute disadvantage. Yeah, as the, they're doing this thing, um, Clint he's, Clint shows up, pointing a gun at Indio, and is like, "Well, you hear." You hear the music is about to end, and then yeah. you hear another one going. Yeah. And it's, like, echoing, and then Indio's kind of confused. Clint Eastwood has the gun. He's, he's show, like, pointing the gun at Indio, and then he walks over to the colonel and hands him a gun, and he goes, I think this will even out your odds or and something like that. Clint has the other pocket watch that we saw in the memory that also was, was um, Mortimer's. It's Mortimer's po- other pocket watch. Like yeah. he has the the second one, and then, <laughs> and he kind of says something like "Nah, nah, the song's not over yet," and sits down and watches it play out. Yeah, well, and it was just wild because this is when it was like, "Oh, this truly is not the Man with No Names movie. This yeah. is the Colonel's movie because he ends like the big emotional arc, and then the the music ends. He kills Indio." And then uh, we find out that it, that was his sister. Yeah. And it's it's this great emotional payoff. And then he says, um, well, let's like get those bodies over to the bounty or something like that. And the colonel says, no, I'm, I'm good. It's all yours. Because all he needed was the vengeance. That yeah. was reward enough, as you said, when we were watching it. Yeah. And then they have one last little gunfight because the man with no name like didn't have... <laughs> An his ending? math wasn't adding up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's counting, great. He's he counting, counting all the bounties. bounties, and then he's like, "What the heck?" And then he turns around, shoots a guy, and then he's like, <laughs> just, "Okay." I just love that it cuts to Mortimer being like, "Everything okay?" And, yeah. And Clint Eastwood's like, "Oh, I just thought my math was wrong, but I'm good now. Let's <laughs> yeah. giddy up and get on home." <laughs> I mean, it's really fantastic, and I, I think this one 
I know that Fistful of Dollars like starts the genre, but this one feels like, oh, it's like perfecting it. Yes. Like this this is that pocket watch scene is insane. And apparently the next one's the cream of the crop. It well, oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. The good, the bad, and the ugly is the best one. So this is gonna go in as that rare category, especially of trilogies where it goes one, two, three, better, better, better. Yeah. Um Yeah. We uh Sorry about how crazy this episode was. Yeah. Gilmore really, he didn't want us to record. He really didn't. He's getting ornery. I think it's like, you know, closing in on eight or nine, and I, I think I might have to walk him around the block tonight. He's Just, got some energy pent up. He does. Um, do you want to discuss anything else before we leave? I mean, this has been a short episode, which is not bad. They don't have to be long, but... Any movies, any movie stuff you're excited about? Anything? You're asking me that? I don't know what's coming out. That's true. I, I you're I my calendar. You. I need you to tell me. Yeah. Well, hopefully this year in movies will be as good as last year. 2022 was pretty great. Yeah. And hopefully they'll re-release RR in theaters again so that oh, we can please. we can see it in theaters. Oh my gosh! Do you think that'll happen? Uh, no, probably not. Oh. I mean, no. If it gets nominated for Best Picture, it would. Do you think it has a chance? I think it does have a chance. Wow. I don't think it will get nominated, but I know they're... Cam- It'll get nominated for international. Oh, yeah. But they are campaigning for the movie for best director and best nominate, like best picture. It's, yeah, that makes me so excited. I know. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. Um, But yeah, so this month on Patreon, we're talking about Avatar, The Way of Water. And like I said last week, I'm assuming we've seen it by now. Or, I mean, we haven't seen it as of this recording, but I'm assuming that movie is a grade-A masterpiece, and I cannot wait to see it. We're, like, one week away from seeing it. I'm going to have to pack, I'm going to have to pack, like, dinner, because the showing's at 5.10, and I get off work at 5. <laughs> Whoa. But I wanted to be able to come home and be able to detox and not go directly to bed. Yeah. It's three hours and ten minutes. So, oh, man, can't wait for that. Um, but yeah, we talked about that on Patreon, patreon.com slash Micah McCaw. And, uh, yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week for the good, the bad, the ugly. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.